Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, it's your girl Cy Brown and welcome to the Cy Brown Morning Show. Today is Monday, October 22nd and tonight is it. Tonight is going to be the third and final presidential debate between President Barack Obama and his presidential contender Mitt Romney. I almost said something I probably shouldn't say, but he does deserve some level of respect because he has managed to say and do whatever he has needed to say and do to become uh, the contender to our president. Oh, my office is calling me. How about that? Right as the show starts. Don't y'all know at 11 o'clock I go on the air? I guess, you know, it's all good. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just want to say happy to everybody. I've got a couple of really good things to share before we get into today's topic. Um, last night I did a, I recorded a very short snippet, so to everybody who follows me and is my friend on Facebook. I just posted um, a really short video. I was in my nightgown. Yes, I have this really cool paisley nightgown, and yes, that is my house, <laughs> where uh, I reached out to let everyone know I'm going, I, I'm going to reach out to you all. I need some support. Um, right now, the holiday season is eight weeks away, and there are a lot of families that have less than we do. I'm not calling them uh, poor, poverty-stricken, less fortunate, homeless, whatever it is, there's always going to be people out there that have less than we do. And if you have a little bit more than somebody else, I believe it's our obligation to share. I think the president kind of feels that way as well. So if that means he and I are socialists, then I will wear that badge with honor. But uh, there are a lot of families right now who just uh, are struggling, and they just don't have it. And, you know, I'm one of those people who would say, well, tell your kids no, you know, just say no. But, you know, around the holiday season, uh, you know, they they want to have toys and, and gifts too. And, you know, let a kid be a kid. Let them believe in the joy of Santa and Snow and Rudolph. And, and for those parents that may not be able to provide uh, the Christmas that they would like, those of us that have a smidgen more than others, um, you know, I, I believe it's our obligation to to give back. We, we're all obligated, I believe, to some degree by the laws of the creator to help others. And so I will be reaching out to you. So I take uh, all of my friends on Facebook seriously, and being my friend is not free, particularly this time of the year. So I don't care if it's a $5 toy um you know, a $5 gift certificate to Toys R Us, you know, your $5 and somebody else's $5 and somebody else's $5 and somebody else's $5 can can buy uh, some really nice things for a family uh, this holiday season. So check the video out. It's like two minutes long. Um, and I, I literally recorded it <laughs> right before I went to bed last night. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Also, I want to give a big shout-out to everybody at Hudson County Community College. I had the pleasure yesterday of speaking at the college on hip-hop and as it relates to pop culture, also as it relates to the economics, the global economics. You all know I'm on this whole side round global kick, but, you know, how hip-hop was declared on May 16th in 2001, I had the privilege of attending, um, was 
sanctioned by Kofi Annan, the then Secretary General of the United Nations, as an international culture for peace and prosperity. And, you know, right now we're all jacked up with Libya and, and, and China, but I bet you there's some hip-hoppers somewhere jamming to, uh, you know, be real and, and, and ice cubes somewhere <laughs> in Libya as well as in Compton. So, you know, I do believe in large measure that, that hip-hop can be a unifying voice. Um, but one of the most interesting pieces that we discussed um, yesterday when I, when I facilitated this talk with college students, and some were adult college students, which made the conversation all the more interesting, was um, the fact that, you know, the prevalence of gangster rap and the music, and, you know, basically it, it, it all boiled down to the economics of it all. So just wanted to give a big shout-out to everybody who um, attended the lecture. And I will be uploading the video um, sometime tonight once we can get it edited so you can actually see the talk. So big shout-out to everybody who follows. Just want to let you know the chat room is now open, so I would love to chat with everybody. Hello to Nightwing. Thank you for joining me in the chat room. And uh, I see we have a couple of callers as well, so big shout-out to everybody who is dialing in. Our call-in number, 347-633-9113, if you want to weigh in on today's talk about the presidential debate. Um, and if you miss any portion of today's show, you can definitely catch this show as well as the archives either on CyberMorningShow.com or you can go to iTunes and see it. Uh, I just checked on Friday. There are over 800 episodes of my show on iTunes, so that will definitely make for some good listening. Uh, but now, on to the good stuff. What is going on in, uh, in Libya and what's going to happen tonight during this presidential debate? I will share with you, for those who watch Saturday Night Live, Tom Hanks was the guest, and he had this really cool bit in the opening monologue where he was this nerd in the crowd, and it was a mock of last week's debate, um, and he you know, pulled out this wrangly piece of paper, and you know, he was playing this really nerdy part, and he read on the piece of paper, they said, sir, what is your question? And he just said one word, Libya. And I'm wondering if this presidential election is actually going to boil down to Libya and what happened in Benghazi, because there's so many other um, topics that are important and relevant um, to what's going to happen in the future of this country. But I believe, and I have been saying this on this show for the last couple of weeks, that unless we become more aware about what's happening on a global level, we are going to just fall and wither away and become a third world country. Uh, you know, what's happening in Benghazi and, and Tripoli is, is going to ultimately affect what happens here. And when we look at foreign policy, our, our relationship with foreign countries is so damaged, in part in large measure, by George Bush's um, belligerence, dare I say belligerence, to talk to other countries. Mitt Romney said last week, last week's debate was really supposed to be about domestic economics. And he swung it to foreign policy, and he missed when he said President Obama didn't call the attack in Benghazi an act of terrorism. President Obama did. Candy Crowley checked him, and then Fox News went on a rant how it was not her responsibility to fact-check during a debate, when, in fact, they were just pissed that their candidate or their puppet was fact-checked in front of 50 million people. Right now, we, we, we have some very serious things happening 
in the world, and I will share with you. If you log on to Cy Brown Global, I update Cy Brown Global five times a day, um, six in the morning, nine in the morning, 12 at noon, three in the afternoon, and six at night. The lead story on Cy Brown Global right now is what do Ohio and Florida voters think about when they think about foreign policy? See, right now, here's the thing. I don't know if you saw the movie Wag the Dog with, um, I think it was Dustin Hoffman. I can't remember if it was Dustin Hoffman or not where the president got caught in a scandal, and what they did was they they created this war on a Hollywood soundstage to divert attention away from what the true scandal is. And I want to make sure that in 2012 we don't get caught up by diversions of what's really going on. And I heard a lot of the cable cable commentators say that, Obama needs to have a very strong performance. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is not about the theatrics. This is about real-ass issues that are affecting our pocketbooks and the money that ultimately goes into our families. Has anybody noticed besides me that gas prices have come down? Like, real talk. Has anybody noticed that gas prices have dropped almost 30 cents a gallon within the last 7 to 10 days? We need to understand that this is all staged. Watch the codes. Watch the codes. Do we not hear how several news outlets are making these predictions and, and setting, setting the stage for what they want the desired outcome to be? a la gas prices dropping. Now all of a sudden the foreign oil, which these foreign countries have a billions of dollars invested in the oil industry. Now gas prices are starting to fall to record low rates over the last 18 months, eight weeks before the election. These are the things that we really have to look at, and these are the things that we really have to pay attention to. I just want to read very, very quickly um, uh, a, a blurb from the foreign po from foreign policy. Check out that website. It is an awesome, awesome website where you can get a better understanding of policy, global economic policies and how it relates to us. That's one of the websites that I use as a source for Cy Brown Global, but it also breaks it down in a, in a, in a 101 format. Uh, this was posted by Daniel Dresner uh, last night, and so I'm just going to read the opening two comments, and then I'll add my commentary on the other side of it. Um, but before I do, I just want to say one thing very quickly. I see we have um, a lot of guests in the chat room. If you can just um, maybe create a username and password so that way we can um, properly greet you and also be able to add you to our mailing list. So let me just read this very quickly. And this is from Daniel Dresner, um, Global Politics, Economics, and Pop Culture on uh, foreignpolicy.com. What do Ohio and Florida voters think about when they think about foreign policy? Well, while I was getting drunk in Mexico, I see that the Belfort Center for Science and International Affairs commissioned a poll of 600 active voters in Ohio and, sim and a similar amount in Florida to see what swing state voters think about foreign affairs. In Politico, Graham Allison and Mike Murphy co-author their take, and this is a direct quote. It has been long accepted wisdom that Americans don't know much about history, don't know much about geography, to recall the words of Golden Oldie. So most folks managing, covering, or watching current campaigns will be surprised to learn that the majority of likely voters in critical swing states of Florida and Ohio not only know more about the world outside, but care more and want to know more than most candidates imagine. 
Well, sort of, as Allison and Murphy acknowledged later on in the essay. When asked what international issues they want to hear Romney and Obama speak to, the first responses are Iran's nuclear weapons program and terrorism, far ahead of the global economy. Both in Ohio and Florida, by a margin of almost two to one, voters believe the Arab Spring, and if you're not familiar with that, we covered that on the show not too long ago, has affected American interests negatively, not positively. Voters have mixed views on United States global engagement and are split almost down the middle on isolationism, which was popularized by President Bush. Given that Florida Republicans and independents overwhelmingly take the view of view the United States should pay less attention to problems overseas, two decidedly internationalist candidates will tread carefully. But even those who oppose America taking a more active role in foreign affairs believe that understanding foreign affairs is essential because events abroad can increase the threat of terrorism or draw America into foreign wars. This is an especially relevant concern for these two states where the majority have a, rel have a relative who has served in the military. Now let me add my two cents. It boils down to Florida, Ohio, and Virginia. And my son actually is in Virginia and is actually working with the Obama campaign as we speak on registering voters and, and doing polling. Right now, we have to understand something a little bit deeper. The mess that we're in as it relates to global affairs runs far deeper than the average American can comprehend. We live, there's an increasingly strong paradigm shift in the level of understanding as it relates to global affairs within Americans. There are three sides to this coin. Those who are the media talking heads that live and breathe this stuff every day, which I kind of consider myself in that category, then there are those who are totally oblivious because they feel it does not affect them. They are disenchanted by our current administration and leadership and what could possibly be on the horizon should Mitt Romney become our president. And then there are those who have family members, uh, brothers, sisters, cousins serving in these senseless wars overseas. And in large measure, as it's stated on foreignpolicy.com, many of those come from the Ohio, the Virginias, <coughs> excuse me, the southern and midwestern states. Being a New Yorker, um, having active engagement in the military is not something that's stressed kind of when we're growing up, going through school. It's just not really where we are. Maybe people, you know, maybe that does perpetuate the belief that Northeasterners are slightly elitist um, and less patriotic and less American. I don't think so. But, you know, we have to look at the impact of what these wars and what our foreign policy how our foreign policy affects those who have family members in the military, particularly in those swing states. In conversations that I've had with my son in Virginia, just about what people are actually on the ground saying and what they're feeling, he's telling me that people are, are and, and my son is in his 20s and, and, and extremely intelligent, so I'm not just talking to a teenager who just wants to check at the end of the week, um, shared with me that people want jobs, and they really are ambivalent about foreign policy. And so when we that's why I said there are actually three sides to this coin, because without understanding the impact, the economic impact of global affairs on legislation, policymaking, uh, and our 
relationship with big businesses in this country, there will be no jobs. And that's real talk. The, the jobs just will not be here. Because if we keep nation building in other parts of the world, remember I shared with you there's 196 countries. There's, you know, it ranges 190 plus. Let's just say for the sake of this, because not all countries are part of the United Nations. Let's just say 190 plus um, countries in the world. How long can we possibly stay at number one and think we are going to stay at number one if we're building up everybody else's nation but our own? Uh, I just got a call, in, a, a hit up in the chat room. Do you take callers? Absolutely. Uh, 347-633-9113. I'm putting it in the chat room right now, uh, Nightwing. So give me a call, 347 uh I can't believe I'm I'm trying to type and do all these things at the same time. Three four seven six three three nine one one three. Just hit one on your dial and I'll pick up your line. But anyway, basically what I was saying is that if we're um, fully engaged in nation building, global, you know, nation building on a global level, who is going to aid us as we continue to grow and develop our country? So that's. You know, and that starts with jobs. That starts with jobs. It starts with gas prices. You know, there's so many other factors. So, you know, it's important that we understand, but more so important that we take our own personal responsibility in understanding the implications and doing what we can to be aware. Now, I want to I want to move on. I just want to see if this person is going to call in before I move on to the next topic. Okay, no. All right. Um, Nightwing, if you call and just press 1 and I'll pick up your, your line. I, I want to, you know, talk about Libya specifically before we run out of time. We need to understand right now what's going on in Libya. Let's do this. Maybe I'll do tomorrow's show, a full show of just Libya 101, because t today, you know, I just want to really get into the presidential debate and how foreign policy affects us, what's going on here. But this whole thing with Libya, we need to understand when you're looking at what happened with, with the level of uprising that's happening in Libya right now, militias are still calling the shots. A year, more than a year after Muammar Gaddafi um, was kicked out, was overthrown. And what that's doing is keeping foreign investors on edge because Libya is a major oil-producing country. Let's, 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 let's be clear about this. This is about the economics. Remember how I said all of us here in the United States would be remiss if we failed to keep ourselves posted of what's going on on a global level because what happens on a global level ultimately affects everything here at home. So even though we may not care or we may not think what happens with Muammar Gaddafi being overthrown, Libya is one of the top oil-producing countries in the world. I think it's no uh, accident that gas prices are starting to go down because there has to be an increased level of engagement because of the presidential election. Last month's attack on the U.S. consulate in Benghazi, where Ambassador Chris Stevens and three other Americans died, really underscores how fragile um, it is to emerge from Gaddafi's 42-year rule over that country. When we look at 
what happened, Libyans rose up against their leader during the Arab revolts. Remember I shared with you, we talked about Arab Spring. Maybe that's something that we need to revisit just as we get closer to the to the election. But they had to fight to remove him with the help of with the help of the NATO bombing campaign. And you know what? When we when you look at it, most Libyans are happy that Gaddafi is gone, but they're not even optimistic about the progress of their country. So how can we go in or, you know, as I shared on Friday's show, want to engage in possibly talking about certain sanctions or removing certain sanctions if those talks are not even going to happen after the election? Uh, let me just really quickly. There's so much. Ha- okay, okay, I pressed one. Okay, well, just call back again and I'll pick up your line. Um, but here we are a year after he's been overthrown. There's still chaos. And, and, and to understand better where Libya is positioned, it's in North Africa. And, you know, now that we've got uh, Benghazi has its first elected governor, he's saying that it's still chaotic, there's still unrest, there's still a level of uncertainty. So tonight I'm extremely hopeful that our president at least lays out some strategy because he had readily admitted that there was an act of terrorism of what our plan with Libya is, because we cannot continue to go on with no plan. There has to be something. And and quite frankly, you know, I am cheering for our president, but I'm really hoping that he does not take a measured, his, his stylistically consistent measured approach in talking about foreign policy tonight. I don't think it's something that I want to hear, and I know the American public wants to hear a little bit more. I am very grateful, and I talked about this on Friday's show, that our president, and the best word that I can use, is measured, um, that he uses a very measured tone, and he uses a very methodical approach to his reasoning, to his logic, and his uh, messages to us. But this ultimately affects me paying $60 for gas to fill up my car or $37.50 to fill up my tank. And if we don't have somebody in place who is extending an olive branch, whether it has been historically the right thing to do or not, we're all screwed. And that's a place that I don't want to be in, nor I'm sure is it a place that you want to be in. So it's in our best interest to at least have some level of engagement. The one thing that does scare me, and and I will share this final thought as we start to wind down today's show, is that Mitt Romney and the Republican Party has aligned themselves more closely with George Bush's policies of total disengagement. And there's a saying that goes as follows. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And I think the more hands-off and disengaged approach we take, the more detrimental it's going to be on our policies, on our fiscal um, sustainability in this country, as well as uh, relationship building, development, cultivation, and sustainability uh, further on down the line. So I will be live tweeting tonight. So follow me on Twitter, at Cy Brown. I will be tweeting all night um, because it's important that people are fact-checked. 
And I think, you know, to hear certain news outlets uh, chastise the moderator for fact-checking, you have to do it in the heat of the moment because the moment of opportunity never lasts long. So I will be live tweeting, and if I see anything that's sideways, um, in my opinion, you know, then then I'll definitely be tweeting it. So follow me on Twitter, at Cy Brown, and I'll definitely be doing a lot of updates. Tomorrow's show, we will be uh, summarizing tonight's debate, as well as um, talking about its impact on how I think we can move forward. I do see you, uh, Nightwing. I'm sorry we're out of time. I wasn't able to pick up your call. Please call in tomorrow. I'm also putting my um, email address in the chat room. It's sb at com. So shoot me an email and we can get you on and get you scheduled and have you call in at the top of the show because I want to make sure that we keep everybody engaged. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Don't forget, I will post my video um, speaking at Hudson County Community College sometime today or first thing tomorrow morning once we get it edited. And always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow at 11.